Connor, I lived in Florida for a long, long time. I know that about you. Wow. There's a lot I hide from you. (laughs) One of the most Florida things that I've ever not been a part of, but been adjacent to was indirectly caused by the Miami hurricanes. In 2003, while I was a student at the University of Florida, some friends and I drove down to Coral Gables to watch Florida play Miami in like week two or three or something like this. This was a big game. Both teams were ranked. Um, Miami was like a top five team in the nation at the time. Like Mm. we were pumped and it was in the orange bowl, which is not a thing people get to say these days. Like I got to go see a game in the OB. This is a game where I'm not going to dwell on the game itself, but this is a game where Florida led. I've looked it up 33 to 10 with six minutes to play in the third quarter. And then Miami scored 28 straight points and beat Florida Mm. by five. The quarterback for this Miami team was Brock Berlin, who used to be Rex Grossman's backup Mm -hmm. at Florida before he transferred. He gator chomped his old teammates on the way off the field. That's awesome. And here's where the most Florida part comes in. We had no place to stay for this trip. We just drove down and figured we'd figure it out. We knew people at Miami. One of the people we knew was a woman who was an RA, and she was like, absolutely not. You can't crash here. That's not how anything works. That's like the opposite of RA responsibility. So we drove back that night Mm. all the way from Miami to Gainesville. Not a short drive. Not a short drive. By the time we got back, two of my traveling companions were wrestling in the parking lot of whatever whatever Florida dorm we were. And the subject of their disagreement was which one was more mature. And that's some of the most Florida shit I've ever seen. Go Gators. And if Ron Zuck had just not blown a 23-point lead, it wouldn't have happened. I... This is the what's one of the more Florida stories I've heard. I don't even know how they settled who was more mature, frankly. Obviously, the one who won, of course, right? Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Div- yes, it's it's like I used to sword fight in the day back in the day to figure out legal disputes. Anyway, yes. we talked to Miami fans this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned a lot. I learned that Miami fans just hate Florida. Just absolutely mm-hmm. hate Florida. But you don't feel that way in reverse, do you? I feel like I should now. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm missing out. Um, Is that, I mean, Florida State's got to be the number one. I haven't listened to the interviews yet. No, no, that, that, that's the, I mean, we're not going to spoil too much, but we, we sort of revealed that for Florida State and Miami, there's sort of a like mutual respect. And for Florida, there is none. Interesting. I see. I would have never known. So I just want you to know on behalf of your company, I went and just basically got my feelings hurt three times in a row. Well, thank you. I I appreciate uh, you being such a brave soldier on our behalf um, and paying, being paid to get your feelings hurt. You know what? That's, that's, it's the least I can do. And you know what? Typically, I pay to get my feelings hurt like this Saturday when I go to <laughs> Memorial Stadium to watch Indiana play Ohio State. I pay too much money to get my feelings hurt. You'll get to find out who Indiana's kicker is, and that's very exciting. Um, yes. I'll say this. Cerber had a great time. Cerber had a great time watching me squirm <laughs> and feel uncomfortable as these Miami fans explain why they hated me and everything about the school that I went to. That's right. I still hold a grudge over Indiana Hoosier Rex Grossman, so we'll all get you into a corner good. here. That's good. Uh-huh. This is this is going good. This week is just going great. All right. Um, by the time this comes out, we're through Labor Day weekend. We've had our first like full portion of college football. What do we have going on at the home field HQ? That's right. Uh homefieldapparel.com. Uh, we just wrapped up Can't Miss Kickoff, which was a great two weeks of ton of new releases um, with a Florida box we put out, which was mm-hmm. cool among a few other schools. Ton of other releases. We were in Lincoln, Nebraska 
for volleyball day, which was awesome. Um, I didn't personally get to go. I was at a traveling back from a wedding, but Josh from our team was there. We sold out of volleyball day shirts in Lincoln, which was fun. He attended the event, went to the split, this other college football podcast, split zone duo went to their live show. Like, we like them Friday. here. It's the other show where we don't like them. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yes, so it's yeah, fine. Right. It's okay. Fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, went, to, went to their live show, did some drops, had some special stuff there, but this week, uh, we're recovering a little bit. Our team is exhausted, uh, because just putting out a ton of great content and just firing on all cylinders. Um, it's been, a, it's been brutal. We, we just had our, our best month ever, which is amazing, but that means it was better than last November. Uh, which if you understand retail, um, yeah, we're going through it at the moment, which is great, which is why we're debuting an NFL team this upcoming Saturday. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts, not you know, debuting for the first time, but we get to do another collection with them that we're really excited about. Um, Former home of two excellent Miami Hurricanes in Reggie Wayne and Edger and James. That's right. Yes. And we have a product. It celebrates every decade in Indianapolis. I'm sure all the Baltimore fans are going to thr- be thrilled about this collection, <laughs> but... It one of the products is the 2006 Super Bowl. Uh, we have a product celebrating that, which was held in Miami. That's right. And it, it's crazy. Um, the opposing team, led by Rex Grossman, mm-hmm. came out. They gave Thomas Jones had over 10 yards of carry in the first half. Devin Hester returned to kick, and then they sent the game ended at halftime after the Prince show. It was cool, and the Bears were declared the winner. So it was cool to be able to make a Colts shirt commemorating that. But uh, <laughs> yeah. We, we love that. So um, Devin Hester returned the opening kick in the Florida Miami game. I went to for a touchdown. Did he really? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much every game. That was really yeah. cool. Um, being a, still being a bears fan back in the day when you, it's probably similar to Iowa, except the opposite of punts where it's like the other, mm-hmm. well, you we we'll get excited for punts. Cause that meant the defense came on the thing. field. Yeah. And then when the other team punted, it'd be like, sick, Devin Hester, except for Rob Marinelli, who punted seven times once out of bounds. And Fox thought it'd be funny to throw a football in Lake Michigan to show what Rod <laughs> Marinelli was attempting to do. Um, this is an NFL podcast about my rooting interests. Uh, bringing it back, though, yes, we've got a Colts collection coming up this Saturday. We're really pumped about. Um, and then we've got, um, we still have some fun collegiate drops all throughout the football season. Um, we're spacing it out a bit again. Uh, the team has been putting out some incredible products um, that we've been great about. So go check out what we just launched for Campus Kickoff. Get pumped for our Colts collection. It's going to be a good time. All right. With no further ado, here are the three Miami fans we brought on to make me feel bad about my life. Hey there. Thanks for having me. My name is Cam Underwood, a 2004 alum of the University of Miami, the world-renowned Frost School of Music, in case you were wondering uh, exactly which. Um, uh, So I've been a fan of the Hurricanes since then, and I'm also the managing editor of SB Nation's State of the U, our Miami Hurricanes website. So please go over and fan with us at stateoftheu.com. I am Brody Logan. I am an alum of the University of Miami, graduated 2006. I am the rare person who also grew up a fan of the University of Miami and then graduated from the school. I know that's something people love to bash about Miami fans, uh, but I have, I have a take on that a little bit later. Uh, my history with Miami, I mean, since I was a little kid, I grew up in South Florida. I don't know if we count the Treasure Coast as South Florida, but I'm counting it. Uh, and just always loved the teams. It was very easy being a kid when they were winning everything. It was very nice and very convenient. And then I stuck with the team. Although I wasn't one of those 90s bandwagon fans who's also a Bulls and, and Cowboys fan or something like that. I actually am from South Florida, which I have friends like that. At least they, they've stuck with the Miami fandom. I don't know why. You you have an out. You were clearly a bandwagon fan. You can jump off very easily. Uh, and I don't have anything to plug because I do local news in Fresno. If you're in Fresno, watch me, not the other people. Hey, it's Chris Whittingham. I am a University of Miami graduate which might separate me from the other fans you might talk to on this panel, which makes me sound like a truly elitist snob. Well, here's the thing, Chris. Everybody (laughs) we're talking to is a Miami grad, actually. Oh, okay, good. So so I just sound like a total dick then. (laughs) (laughs) This is present within all fan bases. 
I have never gotten the impression that anybody within the Miami fan base cares about the graduated, went there. Like, that distinction doesn't matter at all, it seems like to me. Miami fans don't care about that. Um, Other fan bases, they bring that up and care about that. But Miami fans are like, so? (laughs) Just, yeah, so what? No, it doesn't. It only kind of matters from other Florida school fans who like to throw that in the faces of the largesse, and I would say probably, like, the most obnoxious, the most uh, fervent, like, actually, like, I have many friends who did not go to the, the to the University of Miami that care way more about their football program than I do. Like, I, <laughs> I, I, like, when I, I turn their games on on a Saturday, I hope that they do well, but it doesn't, like, make or break my week in the same way that some other fans do, um, that, you know, I, I try to go to as many games as I can, but I, like, I'm not a season ticket holder, even though I probably should be. Um, and I just kind of feel like the, the people that care more are the people that didn't go to the school. And so that, that's only like why I think that dynamic exists. And in some ways it's also like to do with the fact that the university of Miami is treated in Miami as kind of another pro sports team. And that's kind of really the only way that we know how to do sports in, you know, because the, the, the Dolphins and the Hurricanes are kind of the only big sports in Miami in the 80s. And then we got, you know, the NBA and, and MLB and the NHL. And eventually kind of th- that's how we do everything. But it's not really collegial, the University of Miami, largely because they've never played on campus before. Or at least w- whatever predates the Orange Bowl, presumably uh, we, we've never played on campus before. The thing that constantly gets brought up about Miami, mostly by people who aren't fans, is the lack of an on-campus stadium. Is this a thing that Miami fans actually care about? No. Okay. Not. I mean, there there are some that do. Uh, there is a, a, a small conclave of fans that really is, uh, you know, very fervent in their desire to have an on-campus stadium. Long story short, the city of Coral Gables is never going to zone for one. Just trust me. I had a classmate whose father was on the city of Coral Gables, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, commissioner board. And they literally, that's one of your first introductory meetings is like, cool. These are the things that we're never doing. So as you're a new commissioner, <laughs> get on board. And like number two on that list is no on-campus stadium. And like, it's a really affluent area. You got these big multi-million dollar homes. Like where, like, what are you buying up with eminent domain to put something on campus or extending the campus area? It's not going to happen. So there's a group that really wants tropical park, which is kind of close to uh, the university of Miami, which is a Miami Dade County public park area to partner with them, buy up some of that land and do uh, a stadium there. But like, it is what it is, man. You know, we, we had the orange bowl and like, yeah, it was deteriorating like towards the end of its life, but like that was our orange bowl, you know, like that was yes. our rundown stadium that, you know, when Devin Hester returned that opening kickoff against Florida and I'm in the student section, but all the way back underneath the upper deck, I'm seeing it sway 10, 14 <laughs> inches over my head. Like, Oh my Holy, like literally guys, like right, it right. was that kind of a thing, but whatever. But you know, we play in a great stadium. It's an NFL stadium. You have F1 races there, the Miami open, you know, all these other kind of things. It is a destination location that has been made up there. Uh, it would be easier for, you know, the undergrads and everything like the students, if there were an on-campus thing. But like, I think that the majority of fans have let that go because there's other battles to fight, like maybe winning some recruiting battles and maybe not getting blown out by Clemson again. Students care about that because largely you have to get on a bus at 9 a.m. if you're playing a noon game in order to have any kind of tailgating experience and you're sitting on I-95 for 50 minutes. And that's not that's not what a lot of colleges have. It, that, that experience is way better for students. And so I think they're probably the only ones that do. And then probably the people that live in and around the surrounding area where that could just be easier. But also trying to imagine them having an on-campus stadium is almost impossible. The area in which the campus is situated, it would be a nightmare. It's a nightmare for basketball games. And like the best basketball crowd is like nine or 10,000. You had a 50,000 seat on-campus stadium, it would be just the logistical nightmare to end all logistical nightmares. It would be impossible. Um, so yeah, I think honestly, like this, this might sound absurd. I think a lot of Miami sports fans might prefer to have an NFL stadium's amenities than a college atmosphere or an on-campus atmosphere. Because you, you, you go to a lot of on-campus stadiums. There's not like, I mean, a lot of them don't have seatbacks. 
And you yes, know, at at, right. at at the Dolphin Stadium, you, you like there's a lot of comforts. There's a lot of great concession stands. There's all kinds of stuff that you know you wouldn't find in a normal college stadium. So I feel like spoiled Miami people would probably prefer to have that then let's all go round to the campus and sit on a metal bench for three hours. These are the same bleachers where my grandfather cursed this team. Exactly. Years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not, and, and like not a lick of paint has been updated since. It only bothers Miami fans because there's no comeback. They Miami fans are only bothered by it when someone says it. If anyone has ever been to Coral Gables, if you had a stadium on campus, it would be the biggest logistical cluster in the history. I mean, I know every college town, it's not easy to get in and out of, but Coral sure. Gables is like a small enclave of really rich people that do not want you to go there or drive through there. And now all of a sudden you're going to have a 60, 70,000 seat stadium. Like, no, this is a terrible idea. It would be horrible. But Miami fans only care to say, oh, I wish we had it because they get made fun of by other mm -hmm. more traditional college towns. But that's part of the appeal of Miami. It's never been a traditional college town. Like Howard Schnellenberger used to recruit players by saying, you're going to play where they play the Super Bowl. Right. You're going to play where Dan Marino plays. You're not going to play in some college town. And now we somehow see that as a negative. Like Hard Rock Stadium is great. They just had a Super Bowl there. Now they've turned the, the parking lot into an F1 track. That ain't good. Not very good for tailgating. Um, <laughs> not ideal. Uh, but outside of that, it's it's a great place. And it's very easy to get to from pretty much all of South Florida, from the Palm Beaches on down to Miami. So I, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's just it's one of those things that it, it's only bad because when a Florida fan, a Florida State fan is like, oh, you don't have your own stadium. What do you say? We don't. And it's not a traditional college atmosphere, but Miami games have never been a traditional college atmosphere unless it's a big game. And it's not necessarily fun to get into zoning particulars on Twitter. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, it's just it's the it's the dumbest argument, but it's dumb because we just have to go. Yeah, no, we don't have it. Just <laughs> and then move on. That's all you have to say. We do not have one. In my opinion, Miami fans are the most like what their team uh, is perceived to be in terms of extremely aggressive, extremely unapologetic, love to like court friction, love to carry like a big sense of themselves around. And I don't have an, uh, a, a complaint about that, but what is it about Miami football that makes the fans even like take on this sort of bravado irrespective of how good or bad the team is in a given season. Because we got to do that for an entire decade. Well, two <laughs> decades. Like we got to do it where the team would actually back it up for two decades. So you take the team being good away from it. It's like, what do I do now? I don't know. Hey, okay. I went to Miami, Texas A&M last year. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the game, Miami loses Texas A&M, a, a, a real gutted out field goal fest. And trying to find whatever shuttle to take me back to where we parked. <laughs> and some Texas A&M fan like comes up to me and I'm my first instance. He's like getting in my face. He's like, Hey man, do you know where you are? And I was like, what, what, you know, cause thinking Miami, like, Oh, this guy talking crap. Like, come on, I'm here with my family, all this. And he's like, no, no, no. Do, do you know, do you know where your shuttle is? <laughs> I was like, Oh, Oh, no, I don't. And he was very nice and like almost walked us all the way to the shuttle <laughs> to show us. I'm like, wow, these people are very kind. But if that happened in Miami, it would be, oh, you know where you are? Right. Shirts then, coming off. We're good. Yeah, we're getting, exactly. we're tussling now. Yes. We're tussling now. It's so ridiculous that that's immediately where my mind went is that this person, and in fact, you know, if that were a game against, if that were in Tallahassee or Gainesville, it might have also been some sort of tussle or just trash talk. But I was right. like, oh, no, this guy's genuinely being nice. It's it is it is unwarranted, but it's all Miami fans know how to do. That's all we know. We don't know. We don't know what to do. Otherwise, we don't know congeniality. I think it's 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 an inheritance of what came before them. Right. Like there's a there's a characteristic about 
being a Miami football fan, that's attractive. And this is, to me, where the element of people that didn't go to the school kind of comes into play. Um, because that, like at that point, if you're choosing to follow a college football team, even though you don't have the attachment to the school, that means it connects with something about you. It, it, yep. it, it connects with your personality type, and it connects with sort of like you look at the program and you see yourself in it. And so I think that's what it attracts, right? Or that's what it's attracted for such a long time. And so to me, the fact that you almost have to take on this persona um, is sort of like a defining part. And like you said, even if you're not winning games, you, you still have to go to the tailgate and you still have to you know, be the most obnoxious person you can be. <laughs> and you still have to do everything that you always do because if you just let it die, then what do you have left? Like, honestly, what does the logo even mean at that point? What does anything even mean at that point if you let the personality of it go? Then it's just a fairly mediocre football team uh, that doesn't even play professionally, um, which to, to most people that follow college football, that has never been an impediment to following it. But with the University of Miami, you do have to kind of accept the fact that it is a less than product that, well, I guess the Dolphins have been a less than product for 20 years, um, but it is it is a less than product on, than something that that is on offer the very next day at the very same place. So there has to be something that distinguishes it and for me, that character, the obnoxiousness and, 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 and wanting to project as though you're this big and great thing um, is as much a part of that as anything. We're br brash. You know, we, we follow the team. You know, we, we want that level of excellence and we push for that, you know. So, uh, you know, the fights come on when, uh, you know, players don't live up to their billing. Uh, it, it's really bad when the fan base stops calling your name. And only calls your number. Oh God, twenties on the field again, or uh, which is a specific. Well, I mean, twenty was Ed Reed back in the day. Recently, right. however, twenty was somebody else. This uh -huh. current year, there's a couple numbers that you're going to see coming up and down the timeline because <laughs> it, it'll be some consternation. Uh, but yeah, no, we want that we take that and you know like we'll go up against anybody you know like we have the championship history to go up against pretty much any team in the history of college football uh and we're gonna talk that talk eventually this team is gonna walk the walk to support us but like there's not really a, a bandwagon miami fan we're 10 toes down we've been like this so from day one a one and hopefully this team is going to to bring that kind of performance eventually please god mario it's not going to be this year but maybe in a couple of years, like we'll really be there again. When is the time that you have bit hardest thinking that the U was back, but found out that no, the rug had been pulled out from under your feet. The, the one that felt the worst was probably when they started 10 and 0, they beat Notre Dame at home. And I actually thought that Miami were really good. Like I actually thought it mm -hmm. uh, when, when they smashed Notre Dame, that's honestly one of the best experiences I've ever had in sports in any set in any setting. And so to have gone there, to have been part of that crowd, to like have heard the roar, like, and I asked my dad who I was with, like, hey, is this what the Orange Bowl sounded like? He's like, yeah, that's kind of what the Orange Bowl sounded like. And Hard Rock Stadium, for all of its faults, has a roof on it. And so it has this incredible ability to trap noise. The few times that I've been there when it's up for a game, be it, you know, college or pro, it's a great atmosphere. So like that night, when you go to 10-0, and 0, when you're, you know you're going to be voted one or two in the college football playoff poll, um, but then... Kenny Pickett, for the first of many times, took our hearts and smashed them uh, on, on, on the day after Thanksgiving. And then you get smashed by Clemson, and then they lose the Orange Bowl to Wisconsin. And it's like, oh, we, we had Malik Rozier. It was in front of us this entire time. M Malik Rozier was never going to lead us to the promised land. There was all kinds of smoke and mirrors to get you there, but it was not going to happen. But... That is one of many false dawns. It's only that that one was actually backed up by real and legitimate success. I mean, sure. you go back to when Al Golden was introduced as the Miami football coach. That that was among the better press conferences I've ever seen. And I actually bought into the idea of Al Golden being a program builder for the University of Miami. I, somewhere in the deep recesses of my closet, have a very sad orange tie that I look at and go, what the <laughs> hell was I doing buying an orange tie, buying in on the Al Golden experience? Um, now, my first ever kind of professional experience, as it were, with the University of Miami, I was working for the campus radio station, and it was like going to be like my first day of training camp, and the day before the Nevin Shapiro story dropped. 
And that mm-hmm. realistically was not going to be a place for Al Golden to build from. Now, he has not since proven that he was going to be this great coach if not for that dang scandal. But uh, I, I bought into it completely. And I've, I bought into most Miami coaches and most Miami things. Um, I'm not as... I, I'm hardened to a point where I'm not really barred, bought in on Mario Cristobal, despite the fact that I should be, um, at least based on recruiting. I'm just not a big, I'm not a big fan of his coaching. Um, but I, I've now gotten to a point where it's going to really take a lot for me to be convinced. Okay, I'm going to remember this next time. If, if Miami's like seven and <laughs> next time Miami starts four and zero. That's right. That's right. It was early. Um, again, as I said in my intro, I was a student from 2004. So we lost the second game of my freshman year and then not again until Connor Barth on a Thursday night hit that field goal at North Carolina as a senior because we didn't lose that Fiesta Bowl because they cheated us. So whatever, <laughs> um, you know, debate your mom. I don't care. Um, but yeah, so we lost one game my freshman year and then not until my senior year. So I was there through the peak of everything. And um, that really helped drive my hurricane bravado because uh Quick backstory, I grew up as a Michigan fan from Detroit, so I had been around for like the 97 championship team and thought I knew good football, but like, yeah, it was different. Um, yeah. But the time that I really got pump faked that we were back, probably it, it had to have been Larry Coker. So it had to have been maybe a couple years late. No, like the next year, 05, when we got blown out in the Peach Bowl by LSU. Um, connecting back to my Michigan roots. I went home, you know, I was like 24, went home for Christmas and everything. My best friend in the world, shout out to Nick, who I know is listening. We always got together, played video games and watched up in his basement. So I went to Hungry Howie's, got the pizza. I literally get to his house, the same house for like our entire lives mm-hmm. as it was going to commercial from Miami hitting that first field goal with the old you know the ESPN thing I said oh first drive three nothing say less we're about to do numbers and numbers happened in the opposite direction and I would have to say that's probably uh the one that most pump faked me yeah so after Miami beat Notre Dame in that amazing atmosphere at Hard Rock Stadium, the first time as Miami fans were like, oh man, this could be like the Orange Bowl. This could be that. All we have to do is win, right? That, that's what that's what pro player, whatever iteration, then became- Land Shark. It's been so shark. many things over the years. It, it should perpetually be Land Shark. RIP Land Shark beer. <laughs> I don't know if it's still around. Um, and, but it was like, wait, this can have that atmosphere. All we had to do is win games and people will show up and create that atmosphere. So I was so bummed that I missed that game. I was going to go. I had tickets. I had to sell them. I had to work. I'm like, looking back, why did I just call it sick? I don't know what I'm, what I'm doing. So then a friend, of, one of my good friends from Miami, he lives in Philly. I was in D.C. at the time. They were playing Pittsburgh the very next week. I was like, sweet. We're going to this pit game. It's going to be great. We found super cheap field suite seats. It's like, oh, I'm never going to get to be in these seats because Pittsburgh was not good that year. So they were selling off the tickets. And yeah, it was it was atrocious. I had fallen hook, line, and sinker. We were number two <laughs> in the first uh, playoff poll and all of that stuff. And I have done so well not to fall for the banana and the tailpipe that is the Miami Hurricanes in, until until that season. I I was all in, and then it just is the goal for Miami fans. You know, you mentioned you were there for this team. Is the 2001 team, is that the goal to get back to that level of excellence and dominance and just like all around badassery? I mean, absolutely. Like we are the bad boys of college football. Like, you know, I'm fine with that. Like I wrote years ago when we were evaluating potential head coaches, uh, I wrote the Lane Kiffin uh, piece and started the hashtag let's be jerks because I'm like, yo, like everybody hates us. So let's lean into it. Let's be jerks. Like I'm fine with that. If you want to like have somebody to be the villain, I'm good with that, you know? So you want to have that kind of excellence for everybody to hate on, you know? When USC kind of picked it up after we fumbled it in the early 2000s, you know, like, O-State's been there, Alabama's been there, Georgia's there currently, like, they walk around with their chests out and they take it because, like, yeah, hate on me. 2019 LSU, sure, whatever. Odell Beckham, run me the million-dollar fine. You <laughs> up, neck. We're going to scream that chant, and if you don't know what it is, go look it up because what you hear on that YouTube video is what they say. Trust me. And they take that. So, like, I want to be that. Yes. The 2001 team is absolutely what 
the standard is, and really any of the national championships teams are, a ridiculous amount of talent going to the pros, a certain way of going about winning. I'm not even sure that that way is always like kind of the prettiest. If you go back and look at the 2001 team, the results were not like 70 to nothing every week playing in the Big East. There, there was a lot of weeks where it's like you won 31 to three, but good luck getting beyond Brian McKinney or good luck rushing for three yards against that defense. Like it was just a ridiculous amount of talent. And I honestly think that the Miami fan base will settle for nothing less, largely because if you kind of go through the history now that like you have to be a realistic football program, they've won, they've won the ACC. Have, have we won? Did we win the ACC? I feel like we did. No, you've, did been we? To, no. you've been to an yeah, ACC we've been. championship, right. but you didn't. Right, exactly. Yeah. And yet, like, there is still such disrespect for anything in the ACC. Like, <laughs> if, 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 if Miami lose to anybody in the ACC that's not Clemson or Florida State, it's like, Miami lost to North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina has been a better. North Carolina has been better than you for 15 years, and yet you still hold, hang on to. We let North Carolina beat us. Yeah, like th- they think that everyone else is trash. Even winning the division, which was something that eluded Miami uh, for their entire time in the conference, and uh, you know, beating good teams, good teams that are ranked 15 and 20. No, that's not really what this program cares about. It's not like, let's go beat Wisconsin in a bowl game. It's, let's bowl over Wisconsin in a bowl game 40-3 to and take 21 penalties along the way. That's who my, like, and that's what Miami fans got out of their experience for so long that I kind of understand it, but I don't, I personally, uh, like, I'm 31 years old, I don't have a connection to that. So, when Miami used to get good ACC wins, I'd be like, well, that was a good ACC win. We should be happy with that. When, honestly, even good Miami ACC wins were often greeted with, well, we didn't win by enough or we didn't do enough in that game. or like, it, it, Nothing has been good enough for the fan base for a very long time. And it's kind of a miserable existence in that way. It's kind of one of the things that almost makes me turned off a little bit. It's like, well, if that's the only thing that can make you happy, then you are so far away from being able to actually do that. Um, and frankly, like you're chasing ghosts and that's kind of sad and miserable. Getting back to the 2005 team would be nice. Heck, getting back to that 2017 team or 2018, <laughs> I think it was 2017 team. That would be nice. I, Ryan, it's been 20 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been over 20 years. That it's, it's insane for me to think about, um, that kids that are now going to the university of Miami only know good Miami from documentaries. <laughs> like it's World War II, <laughs> which is which is ridiculous, right? Like, oh, oh my grandpa told me about this Miami team. <laughs> trying trying to act as if Miami still has any kind of semblance to those teams. I, at this point, and I think most Miami fans, granted the swagger or what have you we kind of do it as a meme i think at this point because we're supposed to you know we just own it yeah i know this must be we're not all like that but for miami fans we kind of are all like that because (laughs) it's what the reputation is supposed to be um so i think miami fans would be happy with winning the conference getting to another conference championship game. I went to that conference championship game that same year because then I fell for it again after they lost a bit. It's like, oh, we just, just got to beat Clemson in the ACC championship game. It'd be so easy. We'll be fine. Um, so it, it, it's such dilute. That is the goal, right? That's the goal for every team. Yes. Um, but these things are, are so cyclical. It was, it was Alabama was 2001 Miami. Now Georgia is 2001 Miami. There's always another. US, USC was 2001 USC Miami. USC was 2001 Miami. Time. LSU was 2001 Miami for a year. Mm-hmm. There's always another 2001 Miami. It's just going to be very hard for Miami to be another 2001 Miami. Who do fans tend to blame for why Miami is so far away from what they were 20 years ago? The institution, I would say. Largely... The fact until Kirk Herbstreit said something on College Game Day once and the president of the University of Miami woke up one morning and went, we should try it football. Let's go like buy a coach from somebody for $15 million and pay him 80 over 10 years. That, you know, Donna Shalala before Julio Frank uh, didn't really put the resources in when honestly it probably would have been better spent in that time because you weren't competing against as much, particularly from a coaching standpoint. If they had just one day woken up in 2007 and decided, well, let's go get the best coach 
It'll cost us $5 million a year, and that's worth it to sustain this program that is sort of our way of facing out to the world. Yeah. I think that they could be so much further along. If they actually decided to put resources behind the program, they would absolutely be in a better place. But I think there's a certain amount of the fact that the institution wanted to be viewed more as an academic institution than as a football mm -hmm. institution. There was kind of, I mean, and, and the U documentary captures this very well, of from the very beginning, even when they were succeeding, it was not something that the university was always very proud of or cared a great deal about, you know, putting money behind. It was almost in spite of the institution itself. And so I think now it's hard to blame the, the, the president and the hierarchy because they went, they put a lot into Mario Cristobal, they put a lot into his staff, they're putting a lot into NIL and recruiting and everything that's going behind the team. But for the 20 years that preceded it when Miami were struggling, it was always Donna Shalala doesn't put enough into this program, that the university doesn't care enough about this program. And honestly, I think, again, just going back to the differences between Miami and other schools, I'm sure, you know, in the SEC, there are plenty of people that don't care about the grant or the uh, or, or the, you know, the amount of money that the academic institution has or that the research of, of the school does. But there's something about, again, Miami fans where it's why why would people donate to the school when they could donate to the football program? Like, why right. why aren't more people caring about lifting this thing up than lifting whatever they're doing on an academic basis? But that was always what the school was concerned with primarily. And so, uh, you know, Miami never competed on a resource basis with the big college programs and just thought, well, because we're located in this area where you can throw a tennis ball and hit a four-star recruit, uh, that you, you could just be okay at football even without a huge level of financial commitment. Al Golden, which <laughs> I, I think uh, it, it was, it was quite a few bad hires. I mean, it was one of those situations, even sticking with Larry Coker, but it was one of the, it was one of those, you were basically coached by Ed Reed and Ken Dorsey. You had the seniors on that team just like, just don't crash the bus. We we got this. But when they then graduate, then you really don't have anyone steering the bus. So it just it, this is for every great program, right? One or two bad coach coaching hires, and it's very hard to recover from. I mean, yes. Randy Shannon, at least he he brought in great recruiting classes filled with stars from Miami, which is the bread and butter of what those great Miami teams were built off of. He at least had that going. But then when Al Golden came in, he didn't have a sense of what Miami is. Um, but I will say I, I had some, some great times in the, the, the Al Golden era. I wonder if I'm going to look back and be like, oh, man, the halcyon days of Al Golden. Um, if you get to that point, please call me. Please reach out. Talk to somebody you trust and love. I know. I, don't, yeah. You don't have to do this alone. <laughs> I mean, th that one game against University of Florida when it was uh, 99 degrees and 150% humidity at, down in Miami. And I felt like this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. At least Al Golden gave me that day. It is uh, former university president Donna Shalala. Uh, who you might know from uh, the cabinet of one Bill Clinton uh, from when he was president of the United States. Uh, she took over my freshman year. Uh, lovely lady, wonderful mother, um, gave one of my classmates a full scholarship to the university, uh, to the School of Music at a performance event that happened. So, I mean, she did some good things, but also her infrastructure policies, uh, diverting things uh, in the attention away from uh, the athletic department carrying on from tad foot uh who you all know from having watched the U, the six foot three blue haired you know like old fuddy-duddy who wanted to make miami the harvard of the south she continued those academic policies and so like when i graduated in 04 miami was a top 35 institution on us news and world report like the highest rated in the state of florida by far and everything like that's great but you did that at the expense of athletics and a lot of people still believe that so uh it would be her and then insert coach that you hate here <laughs> um some Who people you? who's the coach that you're picking al golden okay. <laughs> yeah yeah um al golden was the so like randy shannon was out of his depth he meant well but he just didn't have the range larry coker was a nice guy and like you or i could have you know head coached the 2001 team to undefeated championship season so whatever al golden refused he saw what the issues were and running that defense. And this is back when, and you remember the 
triple option Georgia Tech time. And you have your linebackers with their heels at 10, right? Or heels at eight, five yards deep in the end zone on first and goal from the three. What are we doing? You know, (laughs) and he continued to employ Mark D'Onofrio. And it was clear that that was what the issue was. Because if you go back and look at the Al Golden offenses, Miami put up crooked numbers on offense. Defense couldn't stop a paper bag, right? So it was really him. And then carrying that on, Mark Richt being in the sunset of his career and just not having the temerity to do what needed to be done at that time, which was one, give up the key or the sticks as play caller and two, promote your son or get him promoted out elsewhere. You've been a coach for 40 years. Call up a friend. Hey, Ryan, my son, the quarterback coach needs a job somewhere else, please, because you needed to get an OC that was a a QB coach play caller. uh, And he just didn't have have it in him because he was at the twilight of his career and everything. So it's really for me, Al Golden with a sprinkle of Mark Richt. Which of the other Florida fan bases are Miami fans the most like? I'll say Florida State because content like they want to recapture the Bobby Bowden 18 years in a row top 5 2013 14 national championship uh you know their athletic director parroting what our athletic director first said about maybe we should look at this unequal revenue sharing and offer to Florida State is ran and taken that, but go look it up first. It was Dan Radakovich at a, uh, a uh, uh, athletic directors and um, president's meeting who brought mm-hmm. that up first. Mm-hmm. Go look it up. So I would say that, yeah, along those lines, there's a lot of similarities. I'll also say that because personally, I respect. Florida State, I don't like them. I do have friends who went to, you know, all the institutes. Personally, I got into Florida and Miami uh, when I was, you know, coming into uh, college. uh, And, you know, Florida, they kind of tried me and everything. But I at least respect Florida State. I Uh cannot stand those people in Alachua County. Like, no. So I refuse to say that we are like them at all. No, can't do it. Even though we are more permanent and fiercer rivals. We get along better with Florida State fans, but I think we dislike Florida fans more because I think we're too alike. Okay. If that makes sense. Why do you think you're more like Florida fans? Because I think we both had these massive spikes just off from each other, right? Like we just missed each other. Miami and Florida State had battles. Had the wide lefts, wide rights uh, throughout the '90s and even into the 2000s. Right? Had tons of had tons of games where you're like, "Oh, this is a de facto playoff." Game exactly. Watching, yeah. But every time Florida was has been good for the most part. Miami has been down, so it's like you just have to take it, and the, and vice versa. Whenever like I went up to UF, I'll, I'll never forget as an undergrad, and it was the, it was the game when Willis McGahey ran ran wild in Gainesville. And I remember all my friends, because I grew up in Florida, right? So we have friends that go to every state school or every school. And they were like, oh, yeah, we have all these parties and everything. And then after that, it was a blowout. It was like, everything's canceled. Gainesville does not exist tonight. It's like, this is a college town. I'm like, college town experience. Let's do the cotton. No, we are not. We, this is not we're gonna, happening. We're going to go to our rooms and have feelings. <laughs> exactly. It's, it was big feelings night for you guys. Um, and so I think there just hasn't been that that collective respect because they don't play every year. Right. Um, and, you know, there's always Miami fans think that Florida fans are ducking them. Florida fans it's like, well, we actually play an SEC schedule and we already play Florida State and all this. You're like, who cares? Um, it would just be nice to actually play the other Florida teams. But I think I think that's why there's more animosity between those two teams, because there was never a, there's rarely been a time when both were really good. Maybe it was the the game in Miami. Uh, I want to say 2003 or 04 when it was uh, Chris Leak and then uh, Devin Hester had the kickoff return for a touchdown to start the game, what have you. Like that was that was kind of a de facto playoff game early in the season, first or second game of the season. But that's outside of that, it, it has been they're they're never at their near their peaks at the same time. So I think I think you've also answered my next question. What is the other team in Florida that Miami is happiest with? when they struggle oh yeah it's florida i think i think florida because and it might just be be, because we don't know neither neither fan base knows what it like i said knows what it's like when they're both really good but with florida state no matter how good florida state is like florida state is really good this year 
and I'm an idiot, and I feel like Miami can win in Tallahassee because sure. I've seen it happen so many times. Um, and so there, there is a little bit more. And between Miami and Florida State, we can both be like, well, they're not Gators. For me personally, it is the University of Florida. Like I, okay. I like when I, <laughs> I, I know what this means to you in particular, um, but. Uh, when I was in high school, I remember like there was two big U University of Florida fans in one of my classes and it made me honestly like, like when I was in school before I went to college, um, I never really like the University of Miami was not that high up on my kind of football docket. It just never, it never captured me for whatever reason. And so when like you, you meet like a couple of Florida fans that think that like Tim Tebow is going to save the earth. And you think, God, these people are the absolute worst. He like, couldn't I even cannot... save the nuts. <laughs> uh, like, I, I cannot stand the University of Florida. I wish we played more often to kind of, like, actually direct that ire. Again, another one, too, that, like, that's a relic of the Urban Meyer era. Like, you know, watching Florida kind of faff about for the last 10 years, trying to find any kind of solution. has not, I mean, it's been funny. I've enjoyed it. I enjoy, like, you know, you and Spencer being unable to even talk about it on the full cast on a Saturday <laughs> night. But, like, I, 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 it doesn't, like, quite, like, I, it's better when both teams are good and they play each other and then you kind of hash it out and you'd like, you're just in constant arguments with your university of Florida friends. I've never kind of felt that same antipathy for FSU. I'm not really sure why. Um, but man, Florida, I, Is if both teams are good, it just, it, it, it brings out something visceral in me that I don't like about myself. The university of Florida Gators okay. three, five, two Lasher County. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, look, I get equal delight from both. Like, you know, both of the, those teams have had four win seasons, five win seasons recently, and I'm over here tap dancing on their graves every single time. But if I had to choose one of them two, oh, the Gators all day. I cannot, st oh, cannot stand them. Yeah. Mm -mm, no, what no. is what is it about Florida that you hate so much? Everything. What is there not? I mean, just like, <laughs> you know, it just, it, they, you know, it, and like, so I, Again, I'm not, I was not born a hurricane. Like I had right. to like grow and learn my history and everything. But then I hear about uh, the Florida flop where Miami's driving down the field late in the game where Florida's blowing Miami's doors off and they have their literal defensive line lay on the ground so Miami can score to get their quarterback for Florida the ball back to break a passing record. Like, <laughs> y'all are up 50 already. Okay, that's bad blood. And then just like, yeah, they, you know, they talk all kinds of noise, and uh, if you go back and look at the U, you know, that happened on Bourbon Street, uh, where Alex Brown, you know, uh, talked some shit, and then he got hit. So, uh, you know, he had that big-ass uh, black eye and everything. So, run up and get done up. But, yeah, I just cannot stand them at all. Just the, the, the sight of that, that logo just makes my skin crawl. What about the other – I mean, Miami's in an unusual situation where you have two other – they're not Power 5 schools, but they're two other F FBS schools very close nearby. Is yeah. there any kind of meaningful bad blood or attempts to sort of like – I mean, I know, I know there's the fight, and we can get to the fight if you want, but – FIU and FAU, do these pop up on the radar for Miami fans in any major way? Not even a little bit. Like, okay. I, like it's not even – yeah, I don't consider them. Uh, FAU, you know, congratulations that they have a program uh, with Howard Schnellenberger, you know, who helped, uh, you know, build the infrastructure of Miami into the five-time national championship program that we are. Started that program, had a couple good friends uh, from when I worked parks and recreation down here who were on the first teams at FAU. So I went to some of those games with 350 of my closest friends, you know what I mean, <laughs> uh, and whatnot. So that's great. Uh, but FIU... No, I don't really think about them. I mean, we don't really think about them at all. Unfortunately, I mean, the the fight at the Orange Bowl, that's great for me. Like, I loved that. I was actually announcing a high school football game the next night and almost had that same thing happen. And <laughs> the principal happened to be next to me in the press box, and I almost did that same thing. And I saw Lamar Thomas's career flash before my eyes and said... <laughs> Cam, shut up. Don't do it. You know, like literally the next night. Um, so it was a, a rivalry high school game, but uh, that similar thing. But, you know, the thing that unfortunately we cannot ever run away from is the fact that Jaron Williams decided that he wanted to go out and party the night before Miami FIU in 2019, uh, 20, whenever that year was that he started. And Miami lost that game at yeah. 
Marlins Park on the site where the Orange Bowl once stood. Right. So if we never play again or whatever, whatever, FIU is going to be that one, like that little cousin who's like, hey, Ryan, you remember that one time I beat you at Mortal Kombat? <laughs> you know, that, and it's that one like time I beat you at 21, and you're like, uh, listen, I, I spotted you 17. I was playing right. left handed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, it happened. Like, we demonstrably lost that game. Uh, and those would be the two times that, like, like it comes up, but it is when we have to look back into the past or with that, uh, you know, that one win that they'll ever have against Miami where they're, hey, 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 remember us kind of a mm-hmm, thing. But mm-hmm. uh, in general, like, am I do I walk around and think about FIU or FAU? Absolutely not. Brandon, Brandon Merriweather cares. Brandon, Brandon Merriweather <laughs> flying in with his helmet. Uh, <laughs> there's the friction. Yeah. No, I like I. I don't I don't think there's a legit friction um i mean it was like i used to even say part of the downfall of miami was because of the regional florida schools because those kind of three stars that you could hide and be like oh come to miami we're not gonna let you play running back but you can play safety sean taylor right for instance from gulliver prep uh that he would have just gone well i can go play running back at fiu i can go play running back at fau but nowadays everyone's tape is out there like Sean Taylor would not be a three-star right now, a two-star, three-star. Right. Like they right. would see this and know like that, that doesn't happen regardless. Um, so at this point, the, the kids that FIU, FAU are offering probably weren't going to, if they were going to go there, weren't going to get offered by the big three, but I don't think there's any, any real friction between those schools. I, I know that a lot of Miami fans think that, oh, if we play, lose to FIU, which did happen at the Marlin Stadium, that, oh, all of a sudden they're going to think that they're on equal footing with us, or if Miami plays UCF or one of the state schools, but, like, I don't, it doesn't matter. Like, yes, their their fans will get to talk trash, and UCF fans will get to say they were a national champion. Fine. Like, what? I don't care. I mean, there were, there were national championships claimed by teams from the, the football thesaurus, okay? Like, <laughs> UCF, I don't, go ahead, take it. I, um, so, I, I just I don't I don't have any ill will toward the other regional Florida schools. I I have a lot of friends that went to those schools. And they they were smart because they just did bright futures and went for free. A lot of the external, um, let's say, analysis of Miami football over the years is undeniably racially coded and amounts to pearl clutching a lot of the time. Is that replicated at all within the Miami fan base? Is there that same sense of like, oh, I I kind of wish we didn't act this way or wish that, you know, the players would act in a different manner on the field or anything like that? Or is it just like, no, this is what Miami football is about. We're proud of that. I have not met a single person that doesn't want Miami to be the swaggering, most obnoxious and like physically tough and all the traits that are associated with Miami that doesn't want that in abundance. Honestly, the only thing that Miami fans kind of get up in arms about is when players do that off the back of being seven and five, that like every <laughs> once in a while, you know, you're, you, you, you know, you're down 10 points to wake forest. Someone comes up from a tackle and, you know, flexes and you're like, come on, man. Like it's sort of the, the fake swag is honestly more offensive than the behavior itself. And so I don't think there's anybody in the fan base that doesn't want Miami to fully embrace that and doesn't sort of take like love the fact that that element of Miami made them hated. I think Miami sports fans writ large love being hated during the big three LeBron James Miami Heat era. The entire country, again, it was a similar amount of pearl clutching. Why does LeBron James, why is LeBron James doing this? Why did he leave Cleveland? Why does Miami get to have this? Look at them. They always show up late. They don't care. And like, there's a certain amount of that. Like, honestly, like, and it's, and it's funny to see in sports where like, we just aren't as relevant in like, you know, the Florida Panthers, for instance, like you're just looking for, like, there's, you know, one person that kept picking against the Panthers on ESPN.com and like, we'll show him. Like, there's always a certain amount of like wanting to be the subject of ire from other, you know, from, from the national punditry, from other fan bases. Like, honestly, the biggest offense to Miami football fans is that nobody's cared about them for a while. Like, <laughs> we, like we want we want people to care about us and in a negative way because that just makes it better. I mean, you're going to have some everywhere, um, but it's it's really misinformed. So you see those yeah. things pop up, but then like Miami 
I mean, for a long time, you're going back to even the Al Golden era, which was really to really reset the level of what the program should be in the eyes of the public. Remember, that was coming off of the Nevin Shapiro shenanigans and everything. Miami's been like a top five team in terms of community service since then. So we're going on, you know, 10, 12 years. They're always in the community. You know, like uh, if you look at the academic rankings and things like that, you know, it's few times and far between that there have been legal issues, you know, and Mm -hmm. even some of the ones that were had were proven to be like outright false. You know, if you remember now, this has continued since he graduated and whatever, but like when he was in college, Mark Walton had a couple different run-ins with the police. The two main ones were proven to be manufactured against him and dropped whole, like full stock, you know? Um, So there, there is some of that, but I think that it is a little misguided, but you're, you're hearing less and less of that because the good that is done by these players in the community, in the classroom and things is really coming to the forefront. Um, and it's more just like kind of the shenanigans and nonsense of like dancing around the sideline with the whiteboard right. or the, uh, the turnover train, the uh, turnover you know, train. RIP, you yeah. know? Yeah. No, I mean, I, we embrace it. It's part, it's part of, um, the Miami culture, right? Like for the team, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's been very, Miami, very inner city Miami, like as Miami has has grown and come up as as a community and what have you, Miami has grown with it. Now, that said, uh, having the turnover chain come out against Alabama and Atlanta, where we're down 30 something points, uh, it's like, oh, man, this sucks. Like, oh, man, I love the turnover chain. It was great until stuff like that happens. It's, it's absolutely atrocious. Um, but there is there is a racial component to it. There, there is, I I've been a lot of different places to, to watch games that, that has been something I've, I've tried to do as an adult. Like I'll go to more road games, than Miami home games. Um, and the makeup of the Miami fan base is, is just different. The makeup of the, the student base is different. It's not, I mean, people might not know. I mean, yes, they know that Miami is a private school, but it is also a small private school. Right. Between undergrad and graduate, I think it's something like 14,000 students every year. And that that's the entire school. So you're not going to have this massive alumni base. It is more of a, a pro team fan base. It's it's people from Miami who loved those teams in the 90s and early 2000s and got on board. And, and they are the most passionate fans. I went to Miami. There were so many Miami students that were from say the Northeast and just wanted to go somewhere sunny and go that to went there to play that went there to play school. They went there to play school. You know, they went there to play being at space until 6 a.m. And then, <laughs> like, there's a football team. Whereas the, the fans actually from Miami who, you know, either it's an expensive school, like we're going to go there because they're not dumb like me and took out a bunch of student debt just to go to Miami. Um, and, but they love the team. And that, that is the fan base. Like, the, oh, did you didn't even go to school there? Yeah, a lot of people didn't go to school there. Right. Who is the most Miami player in school history? Rubber hammer on my knee. Answer that question. For me, it's Sean Taylor. Uh, I think okay. I think Sean Taylor and just kind of like you go back and watch, you know, the, the highlight videos of him. And I actually kind of remember watching him as a player uh, in college, even though I was very young. Um, I For me, he just typifies that persona, that that toughness, that sort of marauding around in the secondary, that terrorizing opposition that can kind of make a play out of nowhere. Um, There's so many elements of his game to me that is sort of, I think what a lot of people, when they say our our players don't have this quality anymore, he for me is the player that most embodies that quality that the University of Miami don't have anymore. Even the ability to improvise and create something great rather than improvise and create a complete disaster, a 70 yard touchdown against you by Virginia. Like that's that like that sort of ability to just kind of, yeah, we're going off script, but it's going to work out because I'm just this ferocious, fierce, aggressive, defensive player that's going to ruin your life. Yes. Right. right exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and honestly, like that little bit, like that tiny bit of danger. And, and obviously, you know, you're, you're bummed that um, he, he lost his life in the manner in which he did. And, and I, I, you know, obviously his story is tragic, but at the same time, he still even posthumously represents that to me. 
I, I think Ed Reed is probably a close second. Uh, just and and it's kind of interesting that they're both secondary guys. Um, but I, I to me, I guess what's happened recently with Ed Reed is kind of uh, shaded shaded that for me. Um, but uh, yeah, I, to, to me, it's Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor is number one representing that. So okay, so the most Miami Miami player ever is Edron James. Mm, okay. And because Edron James from Immokalee, Florida. No, it's not Miami, but it is South Florida. And Immokalee is middle of nowhere, kind of sugarcane muck, muck South Florida, as they call it, the muck. And he was part of that second resurgence. He like led the second resurgence. I mean, the, the game against UCLA running for 300 and something rushing yards after that was delayed because of a hurricane. But mostly for the modern Miami, he invented the U. Mm -hmm. He was the first one to go on Monday Night Football and say he went to school at the U instead of saying whatever college. And it just kind of the the modern branding of Miami is thanks to Edger and James. I always like looking at wide receivers. So for me, I would say like, you know, Michael Irvin, the playmaker. I mean, like, that's his name. Michael Irvin, comma, the playmaker playmaker. is his God given government name. Right, right. It's like it's like when you get when you get like a a Juris doctorate and you get to go around and be like, Yeah, I'm such and such J D or PhD. Right. And like everybody call it. Hey, what's up, playmaker? Like, come on, man, you know? So like something like a Lamar Thomas, um, obviously um just have all kinds of different guys uh like that. Um Santana Moss just kind of embodied the city. Um if you go back, Alonzo Highsmith, who's back on staff now, uh, Melvin Bratton, uh, Jerome Brown, you know, from uh, again, from the 30 for 30 against Oklahoma. I ain't scared of you, bitch. Like that, <laughs> hey, right there, like in front of God and everybody with the parabolic microphone, like basically in your mouth. You heard me. You know what I mean? Like that's that energy. So there's so many guys that I can name. Um, but those are just a few of the couple that come to my Here's mind. Here's a harder question. Who is the most beloved but least Miami player in school history? Ken Dorsey, by far. What? No, that's actually an easy one. Yeah. I had, I had a feeling. I had a feeling that would be the answer. It took me a second to get there, but yeah, you know, the 6'5", 135-pound quarterback from NorCal who was just like, you know, yeah, super chill and... I don't do anything, man. I just go to practice and I go hang out with my girlfriend and all my teammates. They want me to go to the parties, but no, I just, ah, I do whatever like that guy. Yeah. I mean, 38 and two, um, well, 39 and one, but you know, they cheated us, uh, you know, record in college and everything, uh, you know, got a cup of coffee in the NFL, uh, and really was the player who helped the resurgence at the beginning of the two thousands, uh, and quarterback that 2001 team, uh, to a championship, uh, yeah, he couldn't be less Miami <laughs> if he tried. My goodness. But, uh, yeah, so I would say that he's probably the most beloved and least of the city uh, player that we've ever had. Uh, Ken Dorsey. Okay. Because he's such a milk toast, just white guy, right? Like, he's the whitest white guy. Even when you see him as offensive coordinator for the Bills, he's just, even when he's angry, he's just like... It's it's a, a, a dad, a white dad that doesn't like in the being in the pickup line. Like, it's, you're, you're projecting now. I I yes I am. It, it has to be Ken Dorsey, isn't it? That's like, what everybody else said too. Right. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Good. Good. I I feel I feel comfortable in that. Yeah. Like he doesn't give off any of that. Um, and <laughs> honestly, and I don't I don't mean to slander our our college greats, but if you go back and watch him, like. Miami could have done better at quarterback, but like the team was so like the team the team was so damn good. Um, and I guess the the one way in which uh, it's funny how like long after he played that he established his sort of Miami ness. That video of him going nuts in the press box twenty years after he played while coaching the Buffalo Bills, frustrated with something that happened on the field, is honestly like the oh oh like that's where that came. From. That's why like that group of players that had such a strong personality, both sides of the ball, kind of got behind Ken Dorsey. It doesn't otherwise make sense how a group of players got behind Ken Dorsey. Um, I was going to say, like, in terms of on the good scale, uh, Braxton Berrios is probably up there as well. Um, but he also, like, he did the, you know, he, he did the making fun of UNC thing and... And like he, he had some swag kind of personality traits, but I'm sure like if you if you did central casting great Miami players, I'm not certain that Braxton Berrios would pop out. But yet, honestly, he was a great Miami player. Like four years was incredibly consistent, and like it reached a point where he was the only person 
that you trusted in big moments. And that's uh, like obviously an incredibly uh, University of Miami football kind of quality. So uh, I, I don't I don't mean to have a go at the good name of Braxton Berrios, but that would probably be the, the recent example that I'd go for. A lot of fan bases like to talk huge amounts of trash online, but I got to give it to Miami fans. The distinction between how they act on the internet and how they act in real life is basically non-existent. We could be boarding giant space cruisers to abandon Earth and go colonize another planet, and the Miami passengers would be taunting everybody else until the cryosleep chambers locked into place. There is, weirdly, some honor in that. I don't know if the Miami Athletic Department knows it, but they're kind of lucky to have supporters who will defend the U all the time, no matter what, even if they lose to Middle Tennessee State at home by two touchdowns. Which is a thing they did in 2022. Look, I'm a Florida fan. I had to get one dig in. Thank you to Cam, Brody, and Chris for appearing on today's show, and to my producer Michael Serber for all his excellent work putting this episode together. Additional thanks go to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring We're Not All Like This, and to you for listening to our show. We're glad you're here. Otherwise, it's just me bothering other people about the teams they like for no reason. Speaking of 2022, next week we'll talk to fans of the most feared reptile from last season, the TCU Horned Frogs. No, really, it's not an amphibian. I googled it.